second part. Last week we had the first doing it God's way and we're here again so um, let's just pray again and ask God's help, shall we? Father, I pray that you will help us now as we open your word, Lord. Father, I pray that you might cause me to fade away, Lord. I don't want to be put forward, but I do want your word to be exalted above everything else today. And Father, for people to know that you are speaking. So by your Holy Spirit, Lord, send your spirit in power and in strength. I know, God, your spirit is here today. I know that your presence is moving in this church today, God. And so I pray that you will continue to move in power and in much grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we looked at this man called Asa. And if you remember, um, Asa had this wonderful prayer that he cried out to God. And here's his prayer. And he called to the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. Here was his prayer. And he just cried out to God, didn't he? And he said, God, help us. Help us. We rely on you. There's no one else that we can turn to. Help us. And God heard his prayer. So my first heading is remembering. Because, you know, as Christians, what can we, in going forward... We live in a very, very uncertain world going forward. We're going to face many difficulties. We're going to face many problems. In fact, the Bible says that through many or through much hardship, we shall enter the kingdom of God. There's going to be many difficulties ahead of us, even as Christians. But not just Christians. In fact, everybody whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, will go through difficulties. But I'm speaking to mainly believers here this morning. And I will say that, you know, we can guarantee that as we go ahead, the next week, the next month, the next year, there's going to be difficulties. Well, when we look at Asa, this man in the Bible, we can learn something from him. Because he did something wrong. And we can learn by looking at his mistake and finding out how we can avoid it. What was his mistake? Well, his mistake was this. King Asa, he had another king that came against him in war, the king of Israel. He was in Judah and the king of Israel came up against him. And so when he he saw this, Instead of going back to prayer, like he did last week, instead of going back to God, instead of turning around and saying, oh, hold on, I remember that when I prayed, God heard my prayer. Let me go back and do the same thing. Instead of doing that, he'd done something else. Well, what did he do? Well, the Bible tells us what he did. This is what he did. Okay, it's not right up there, but this is what he did. You find, find it in verse... Um, oh, no, this is what he did. 
This is what God said that he, he, he done last time. When he prayed, when he asked God for help, this is what the prophet said. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. That's what he did. When he relied on God, God delivered him. The Cushites and the Libyans came against him and yet he prayed. That was my point. But what did he do? Well, he didn't do that. Instead, Asa took silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace. See, I'm sending you silver and gold, he says. Now, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. In other words, this is what he did. He took silver and gold from his own palace, silver and gold from the temple of God, and he went to another king. And he said, listen, make a treaty. Here's money. Now, you work for me. You go and you attack this, this king against me, and, and you make war on him, and then he will leave me alone. This man faced a problem, a new problem. And instead of relying on God, he relied on man. Instead of relying on God, he relied on his silver and his gold. Instead of praying and crying to God, he went and he spoke to men. He did not do well. In fact, the prophet told him this. The prophet says to him, you have done a foolish thing. Asa, you should have looked back. You should have looked back to when God delivered you. You should have looked back to when God saved you. You should have looked back. Instead, you looked at your own resources and you looked to man and you trusted him rather than trusting God. My dear friends, God has helped you in the past, has he not? God has helped you in the past. Let's let Sarah go as she's um, not happy. I think Joanna needs some help now. Isn't that true? God has helped you and me in the past. I don't need to go too far. I can just look over, over at the congregation here today. I can see my brother Keith, whose sister Debbie was on a life support machine. Right, Keith? And God had helped her and brought her out. The doctor said that she was going to die, but God had helped that family. God, I helped my brother Phil English. He's not here today, but Phil was unemployed. Could have no work. No money was coming in. He was so depressed. God had helped him and poured a job into his lap and blessed him. God himself has helped my friend Jeff Cunningham, who's sitting right at the back there. Jeff had a hip, who the doctor said need replacing, right Jeff? But God healed him. And there's no need for him to have a hip replacement, even though the doctor said that is what he's needed. God has brought this church out from financial difficulty before. 
and allowed it to send thousands of pounds to Pakistan, even though before it had nothing. God has helped in the past. And what is God saying to this church this morning? Put down markers. Put it down. Put down markers to say, listen, I remember when I was in trouble. I remember when my heart was breaking. I remember when things were difficult. And I cried to the Lord. And he delivered me. Look back. Put down markers to remember what God has done. In fact, in the Old Testament, when they was crossing the Jordan to go into the promised land... God turned up and God parted the waters so they can pass through on dry land. What did Joshua do? Did Joshua just turn around and say, oh, that's a wonderful miracle. Let's just move on and wait for the next one. No, what did Joshua do? Listen what Joshua did. We have a long reading, but listen carefully. Joshua, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? What they did was they took some stones out from the Jordan and they made a monument. They built a monument there and and they put it there. And Joshua is saying, when your children come and ask you, what do those stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. That's what Joshua said. Why did he do it? Why did he dry up the water? Why did he do that? Why put stones there to remind you? Well, he did it so that you can remember that God is powerful. That God is able to bring healing into men's hips. God is able to raise those. And the doctor said, turn off the machine. She's no good. She's going to die. God is able to do miraculous, wonderful, powerful things. He's an all-powerful God. That's why you need to put down markers in your life. To remember who God is. Sadly, Asa did not put any markers down. Asa had an army of Cushites coming against him. And he prayed to the Lord. And God delivered him. But he didn't put any markers down. He forgot about it. So when the other problem came, instead of calling out to the Lord, he turned to men. He turned to silver and gold. Instead of turning to the Lord. The question must be asked, why? Why did he do that? Why did he not turn to the Lord? And I'll tell you why. When Asa relied on God in the first place, he had nothing. He was practically powerless. His army was few. He had nothing 
in himself. He couldn't help himself. And so because he couldn't help himself, he had no finances, he had no huge army. Because he was in that position, then he turned to God and he asked God for help. But now in this situation, he had money. Oh yes, he had money in his palace. He had money in the temple. Not only that, he had connections. Hey, you know, I know this guy, this King Aram. My father and his father were friends. I've got connections. I know the rich. I know the powerful. I can now use my money and use my connections in order to get what I want. At that moment, God was not important. You know, I'm reminded of a woman in the New Testament. And this woman, the Bible says that she had an internal bleeding for 12 years. Look what it says about her in in Mark's Gospel. It says this, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This woman had money. This woman had doctors. And when she had the doctors, and when she had the money, she went to them. Until all her money was spent. Until all the doctors had run out of medication. She had no one else to turn to. And she went to her resources before she went to the resource that was Christ. And we read in in that account, she said to herself, because she thought, if I just touch Jesus' clothes that's all I need to do if I just touch the hem I will be healed someone said don't be foolish you spent all your money look you got your, your, your the doctors and, and they gave you all the, the diagnosis and, and you spent all your money what do you mean touching the hem of a man's garment but she thought to herself in her heart she said I need to go to Christ if I touch him shall be healed sadly Asa didn't come to that point he went to his money he went to his connections he went to people who he knew and he said God I don't need you anymore he did a very foolish thing yet this woman she was right Even though she went the wrong way and she she used her money and the doctors first, she still at the end went to Christ. And the fact is, her heart was in the right place when she went to the Lord. And God will turn around and say to you this morning, put me in the frame in your life. Put me in the picture in your life. Cause me to be a part of the story. Cause me to be a part of the narrative of your life. Cause me to be the one that you will seek. And the Bible said, seek me first, says the God. And I will make a way for you. Seek me, says the Lord. Set your heart towards me. 
Cause your heart to be committed to me. Cause the desire of your heart to be for me. That's it. And that's what God is saying to you this morning and to me. Cause your heart to be committed. Oh, your life might be a bit wobbly. You might make some mistakes along the way. But cause your heart to be committed. To have a desire for me. To put me first before man. Let's move on. Remembering. Second thing I want to say is about strengthening. You see, if you do this, if you set your heart to seek me, says the Lord. If you cause your heart to be committed to me. This is a wonderful verse up here. Look what it says. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Here's what the Lord is saying. God's eyes. God is looking throughout the earth. And he's looking for men and women whose heart is committed to him. Yes, their life might be a little bit wobbly. They make mistakes. But their heart is saying, Lord, I desire you. I want you. I want to please you. My heart is committed to you, oh God. That is who God is looking for. And he will strengthen that person in every situation. I want to tell you just two stories, two real stories that I've heard. One last, I heard this one, one on Thursday. The other one I heard about six months ago. The one that I heard about six, eight months ago is a young man, both men, in both stories, both are in their 30s. You know, it's really sad that we do live in a broken world. The first man was a Christian. He is a Christian to this day. He's 30 in his 30s. And he found out that his wife was having an affair. It broke him. Then he found out that his wife was pregnant. And then once he found out that his wife was pregnant, his faith in God strengthened him. Not only did it strengthen him, but it got him through that very, very difficult situation because his heart was committed to God and God strengthened him in that place the second story was another man he's 30 as well in his 30s I heard this on Thursday this man also been married and he also found out that his wife was cheating on him as well. He's not a Christian. Found out his wife was cheating on him and he found out that his wife was pregnant. One morning, last week, he went out to work. And when he went out to work, he found a place where he was working and there he hanged himself. Died Wednesday or Thursday. Carl knows this guy. My dear friends, we live in a very broken, broken world. Without God, people in this world without God are without hope. 
Without God, they have no strength. When things like that takes place in their lives, and I'm telling you, it happens. That is the real face of our society. These things happen. Only yesterday, reading the news, and in Croydon, a young man got shot in his head while he was sitting in his car. 24 years old. Dead. The family. Can you believe the brokenness that these families are in? These things happen. But what God is saying this morning is this. If you place me in your life, if you cause me to be a part of your life, put in the frame, cause me to be your God and your Lord, when you go through these times, I will strengthen you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you to one side. No, no, no. I will be the one who will come alongside and I will strengthen you. My eyes, says the Lord of the Bible, range throughout the whole earth looking for men, looking for women whose hearts are committed to me. My dear friends, do you need strength this morning? Do you need God to strengthen you for the journey? Well, if you do, then turn your hearts to him. Cause your hearts to be committed to him. Because if you do that, then when whatever storm may come, and storms are coming, whatever waves may rock your boat, and I'm telling you, waves are coming. Whatever trouble may come into your life. And I'm telling you, trouble will come. I want to say to you, God is able to show himself strong on your behalf. And he will. His eyes go through the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. May your heart be fully committed to Christ. This morning. And if it's not, if your heart is in two ways, then today come to Him and pray. Maybe you're not even a Christian today. Maybe you don't even know the Lord today. If you don't know Christ, find Him this morning. He's here. Only a breath away, and He will come into your situation and strengthen you, give you new life. Let's just wrap this message up in my third point because Christ will strengthen you. But also there's this rebuking as well. Rebuking. Let me end uh, my last point here. You see, the, um, the prophet comes to Asa and he says to Asa, Asa, you did wrong. You should have called upon the name of God. And, and, and like you've done before, God would have helped you. Because the Cushites were bigger than this army. And God delivered you. But instead of doing that, you went to your money, you went to your connections, you did all these other things. And now, God's not pleased with you. In fact, you did a very foolish thing. Now what did Asa say? What did Asa do? Now the right response would have been, oh my goodness. I didn't think. 
The right response would have been, oh God, forgive me. Cleanse me from my foolishness. That would be the right response. But what did he do? Let's look at it. Have it here. Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. Here he is. Didn't like what he heard. Didn't like what God told him. Made him so angry that he took the prophet of God, slammed him in prison. It's always possible, isn't it? To get angry with the word of God. That's why our society is in a mess as it is today. The people out there don't like the Bible to tell them what to do. They don't want God's word to tell them to tell them you're going the wrong way. The people in our society don't want to hear you are doing the wrong thing. What you're doing is foolish. They don't like that. And so what they do is they take the word of God and they lock it up. Don't want to hear it. Push it to one side. Don't talk to me about Christianity. Don't talk to me about the word of God. We are going our own way. And they get angry with God's word. You might be the one carrying God's word. They might get angry with you. But he's not getting angry with you. They're getting angry with the word of God. They don't like it. But you know, Christians can be guilty of doing the same thing, you know. You know, some Christians sometimes, you know, they have it in their mind what they're going to do. And they look at the Bible, look at the word of God, and they find out that God's word says, no, you mustn't do that. And instead of saying, okay, God, I'm following your word. No, what they do, they shut the book. No, I don't want God's word speaking into my life. Because I've got it in my heart, I've got it in my mind, that's where I want to go. And if you don't allow me to go, I'm shutting the book. And if God says no, they lock the word away. But you know what God says? You might lock my word away, you might shut the book. But I want to tell you, says God, that my word is living. My word is active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It cuts. It divides. You might try to hide my word. You might try to ignore my word. You might try to push my word to one side. But I'm going to tell you, says God, my word is living and active. And what it does is it exposes everything. And so we have the word of God here. And it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You can't ignore God's word. You might try to dodge it, might try to ignore it, but God's word will find you. It's living and it's active. But not only that, God's word brings healing and help. Look what it says in the psalmist. The psalmist says this. 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. I want to tell you, my dear friends, God's word is not only living and active and can expose anything, but also God sends his word to rescue you. He sends his word to deliver you. Whatever situation you might find yourself in, guess what? God's word is coming in order to deliver and to rescue and to restore and to repair and to mend and to bring grace, health and healing. God's word has been sent to find you wherever you might be and to bring you out of darkness. Here we say rescue them from the grave. Some people have gone down it seems. And they look like they're dead. The whole situation is lifeless. But God is able to bring life into places where it looks like it's death. That's the word of God. Asa, you've done a foolish thing. When the prophet spoke to you, when he told you you've done wrong, instead of repenting and saying, I'm sorry, you locked up the word of God and threw away the key. Asa, you've done a foolish thing. My prayer is there be no Asa in the house this morning. And yet there be men and women who will learn to look back. Look back. What did God do for me back then? How did God rescue me back then? How did God came and delivered me. Let me remember what God has done and now I can look forward and know that whatever comes my way, whatever problems come in my family, whatever difficulty in my workplace, whatever situation may come, I know that God will deliver me again because he's faithful and his hand is powerful. I'm going to look to him in all circumstances of my life. Let's pray. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you for helping. Thank you for helping me this morning Lord. To proclaim your word. For Lord it's your faithfulness. That I want your church to see. Father forgive us. When we have locked up your word. Forgive us Lord God. When we turned around and said. Your word is not important. Forgive us, oh God, when we get angry, when you rebuke us. For your word says, do not lose heart when the Lord rebukes you, because the Lord rebukes those whom he loves. And Lord, I realize, oh God, that you love your church, and you love your people. And if we step out of line, if we move in the wrong direction, Lord, you want to bring us back into your will and into your purposes. Father, I thank you, oh God. For your word. And I pray this morning. Lord. That we might look back. And see how God. Has answered our prayers. See how God. Had delivered us. From our situations. And to see how God. Had worked. And once we do that Lord. We face the future with confidence. We face the future. Not trembling in our boots like our neighbours, like our society. 
worrying about Brexit, worrying about terrorism, worrying about what may happen in London or in Manchester. Lord, we don't need to worry. Why? Because we, are, we know that our God is able to strengthen us. Whatever comes into our lives. And so we are looking to you this morning, oh God. And praying that our hearts will be towards you. Oh God, come by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.